Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your generosity towards us. We thank you that this year we are alive unto you. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can call you our Father. And most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We thank God for the gift of life. And we thank God for another opportunity to continue to work the works of Him who has sent us. Whilst we are in the day season of our life. Because the night season of our life is going to come where we will not be able to work. So tonight we are looking at the final episode of what we have been studying for the past five weeks. Which we titled Watch from Mark 13, 37. An instruction Jesus gave to his disciples and to us. Which is saying that what I say to you, I say to all, watch. It's a very clear instruction that Jesus is giving to us. And he, he, he went the extra mile to let us know that it was not just to his, the disciples that he was speaking to immediately, in the immediate context. But he said that what he's saying to them, he's saying it to all of us. And what is the instruction? That we should watch. That we should be attentive as Christians. That we should be observant as Christians. We should be on the lookout. We should take heed. We should not fall asleep as Christians. And for the past five weeks, we have been looking at things that we need to be on the lookout for. And tonight, we are looking at the last but never the least of all the things we are supposed to look out for. In fact, there's hopefully we'll do another teaching of this same one because I discovered several other things that we are supposed to watch that will go beyond six pack scenes. So hopefully, we'll do a, a remix of this episode, which will be titled Maybe Take Heed. Is the same instruction that says watch. So let's go to Matthew 16 verse 6. Jesus is speaking here. Now he says, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the living of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. He's saying that Jesus said unto them, Take heed or watch or be vigilant or be on the lookout and be aware of the living of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now let's go to verse 7 and let's and they reason among themselves saying, Is it because we have taken no bread? <laughs> Which when Jesus Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do you not understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets ye took up, neither the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets you took up. How is it that you do not understand? that I speak it not unto you concerning bread, that ye should be aware of the living of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Then understood they how that he bade them not to be aware of the living of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So when Jesus gave this instruction that take heed to the living of the Pharisees, this we were thinking about bread. And many times how we relate with God. When God is trying to tell us about weightier matters, about spiritual things, we are, we are unable to connect the dots. We are unable to make meaning out of what is happening. It's like when God uses a dream or a vision to us, we are able to inter- interpret it carnally. 
they were thinking of bread and they were wondering, hey, is this saying that we should not go and buy bread from the Pharisees or the Sadducees because we don't take enough bread? And Jesus was like, oh, you people, just recently, I was able to multiply five loaves. I was able to multiply four loaves. How can you think that I'm talking about bread? And interestingly, he didn't give the explanation, but the Bible said, and they reasoned among themselves, and they understood that the living was not of bread, but referring to the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The next thing that we need to watch out for is the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We need to be on the lookout on false teachers and teachings. You know, I was really contemplating on what I to do um, the final episode on false teaching, but I cannot just ignore the instruction that Jesus has given. And I think it's something that we need to really be on the lookout for. And you see, the interesting thing is that Jesus compared the doctrine of the Pharisees to living and living, or in other words, yeast. So he was saying that the false teachings or the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they operate just like how living operates in bread. Though it is very small, it has a significant effect on bread. That's for yeast. So he said that false teachings may look insignificant, may look like something minor, something to brush over, but their effect on our Christian life is very significant. Because once it is introduced, once yeast or living is introduced into the bread, it spreads quickly and takes effect. So yeast is normally added to bread for, for, for the dough to rise, for the bread to become um, um, fluffier and breadish. <laughs> so mostly on living bread is flat. If we uh, have watched this, Jesus movies, they are flatbread, the one that we use in communion um, generally, if we all use the same type of bread. But the normal bread, the one that we eat, uh, especially in African society, is living bread. It has yeast added to it. So yeast provides flavor, it provides aroma, it provides nutritional value. Yeast affects bread. So Jesus is saying that false teachings or the doctrine of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they operate like yeast. They are subtle yet have the pervasive influence on the bread and this is why we need to be on the lookout we need to watch against the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It may look insignificant. It may look like something to brush over. But the effect on our Christian life is significant. And we can't afford to be passive with these things. We can't afford to be on the floor with all these things, with any teaching, with any doctrine that comes up. And we can't afford to turn a blind eye on these things because it operates just as yeast and because Jesus instructed us to watch against them. Now let's take a, a journey, a quick journey, through some of the, the characteristics or the effect of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the effects of false teachings in our life. That's how you're able to identify a false teaching. The first effect or the first way to identify a false teaching is that it causes you to be a hypocrite or to be a play actor. It causes you to focus on things you should not focus on, leaving you or distracting you from focusing on what you actually need to focus on. So let's go to Matthew 23, verse 13 to 19. I'll just read quite fast. It says, so Jesus was addressing the Pharisees and the Sadducees here. He says that, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door to the kingdom of heaven in people's face. You yourself do not enter nor would you let those who are trying to enter to enter. So Jesus is giving us an expose on the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is one, they are hypocrites, they are play actors. They are not entering the kingdom of God, but they are also preventing people from entering the kingdom of God. Verse 15, Woe unto you, teachers of the law 
and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you travel over the land and sea to win a single convert. And when you succeed, you make them twice as much as a child of hell as you are. This is given as the characteristic of the Pharisees. Verse 16, Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple, it is bound to an oath. Verse 17, you blind fools, which is greater? Is it the gold or the temple that makes the gold sack? And verse 18, you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bounded by an oath. You blind men, which is greater? Is it the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Verse 20, therefore, anybody who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne, by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your species, your mint, your drill, your cock, but you neglect the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guys, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside would also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of bones of dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear as people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, Pharisees, you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you see, if you had lived in the days of our ancestors, you would not have taken part in the shedding of blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourself that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. You snakes, you brood of vipers, you will, how would you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and, and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you would flock in your synagogue and pursue from town to town. So you can see how Jesus was attacking these people. And it's the same attitude that we should have concerning false teachers and false teachings. You know, I always say this, that it's not just about what you stand for in Christianity, but it's what you stand against. So one of the churches in Revelation, Jesus said that, and he commended them. But one of the issues they had was that they did not hate, I think they did not hate the works of Jezebel. So it's not just about what you like, but it's about there are certain things you should also hate and you could see how jesus was going against them for being hypocrites for being blind men or blind guys and one of the issues was that they focused on the wrong things jesus is not neglecting it that's why i said that you should have promised the latter while following the former so it was like you are focusing on tightening on your salt tightening on your sugar tightening on your bread tightening on everything forgetting the weightier matters of the kingdom you are focusing on cleaning the outside of the cup, neglecting the inside of the cup. You are focusing on cleaning the tomb, forgetting the carcass inside the tomb. Jesus said that one way to identify the living of the Pharisee is that they focus on the less weightier matters in the kingdom. 
when they themselves are ignoring the weightier matters of the kingdom. And you see, you could see a practical example of this in the woman caught in adultery. These were people who were ready to stone the woman. And I think we have done a series on it, those that caught the woman. Now the title. So these people were willing to stone the woman caught in adultery. And when Jesus told them that the one who is without sin should be the first to throw away the, to throw the stone at the woman, the Bible was so interesting to that. And they all began to live one by one, starting from the eldest to the youngest. These are people that propagate lies. These are people that do not live up to their teaching and they focus on self-indulgence and on the lighter matters of the kingdom. These are people that cook up things to make themselves look great. These are people that cook up things to make themselves feel more important than they ought to. These are people that cook up things and they focus on the gift rather than the altar where the gift is presented on. Let's look at something in Jeremiah 23, the verse number 16. Jeremiah is giving us an indication of how these false people operate. It says in the King James Version, it says, Thus is the Lord of hosts, hacking not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own hearts and not out of the mouth of the Lord. So these are people that cook up their own things in the name of the Lord. These are people that cause you to focus on cleaning the outside of the cup whilst the issue of sin in your heart is not dealt with. So they end up becoming play actors. They end up portraying something that they themselves are not. And Jesus is going to be aware, be on the lookout for such things. Things that cause you to be play actors. Things that cause you not to surrender your life or teachings that causes you not to surrender your life to the blood of Jesus for cleansing. Things that forces you to look at self-indulgence rather than the one who died for you. The second characteristic of the living of the Pharisee is that they cause you to undermine your faith, your hope, and your love with God. Their teachings cause you to undermine your faith, your hope, and your love with God. They take pride in man-made teachings and traditions, therefore destabilizing your relationship with Jesus. 1 John 4, verse 4, 1 John 4, sorry, from verse 1 to 6. John could not have been any clearer than he was in this letter he wrote for us. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many, and this is one of the reasons that convinced me that I cannot escape doing a series on this, is not few, but many false prophets have gone out into the world. We need to appreciate that there are many, many. So if you have 10, I don't know what you classify as many. Many prophets have gone into the world, but it doesn't just end it. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus, that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is of God. So it's that any teaching that endorses the humanity of Jesus, the person of Jesus, is of God. But any teaching that causes you to doubt and challenge and be confused regarding the personality of Jesus, that's how you destabilize your faith. Because your faith is in the man on the middle cross. So that, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So the spirit of the Antichrist is different from the person. So the spirit of the Antichrist is simply the spirit that goes against Christ. And in the last days, that spirit will be put into one being, who will be the Antichrist. That's one another day. So he said, you dear children are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The way to the next characteristics of the living of the Pharisee is that it affects your relationship with God. And your relationship with God has three components. Your faith in God, your hope in God or in Jesus, and your love for Jesus. Your faith, your hope, and your love in Jesus. Anything that causes you to shift focus from the faith that Jesus starts and ends is not of God. And it's very prevalent in our days because many of us have more stronger faith in tokens and emblems than in the person of Jesus Christ. Many of us have more faith in the religious act of praying than the one who is going to answer the prayer. Many of us have more faith in a certain person or in a certain ritual or in a certain poster or whatever than the person who starts and ends your faith. And the God of God is letting us know that any teaching that shifts the focus of your faith from the person of Jesus Christ is a living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Many times you go around and people are emphasizing other things than faith in Jesus Christ. The focus should be faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes they can come with a direction that may cause you to do something, but the focus should be on the person of Jesus. And God is really very particular about giving us that direction because we have the way of making an idol out of the things God gives us. So maybe, let's say, if you're in the days of Paul and Paul, you took a handkerchief and touched the body of Paul and, and you went to lay it on a sick person, the person comes to life. It is not a handkerchief that healed you. So many of us, what you do is that now we make an idol over the handkerchief. Be like, hey, when I was sick, it was the handkerchief that saved me. So now you go and put the handkerchief in a nice box or in a nice place, waiting for another sick person to come. And you just quickly wave your handkerchief. And so now your faith is in the handkerchief. As long as you have the handkerchief with you, you are confident. But that is where the living of the Pharisee comes in. Your faith should be in the person of Jesus. Your faith, the teaching of the of the Pharisees will challenge your love for God. And hereby, uh, what is God's love language? Your obedience to the teachings of God. So anything that causes you to disobey the teachings of Christ in the name of, it's a prophecy, it's a direction, it's a something, it's a whatever, it's a living of the Pharisee. And you see this sometimes everywhere, especially when we are so desperate for that, our breakthrough. You can't imagine the things people do for a visa or a green card or whatever. And any teaching or any prophecy or any word that causes you to disobey God by causing you to do something illegal, something not right for money, for promotion, for a green card, for passport, for a visa, is a living of the Pharisee. And sometimes it's so sad how we can lose our senses over a green card, over a job, over money. That one is a teaching for another day. Because many of us are so desperate that we can literally forget the investment of God's word in us just for a visa, just for a promotion, just for a marriage, just for something fantastic. And the last thing regarding our work with God is our hope, our hope in Jesus. That blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Any teaching that does not keep you excited, any teaching that does not cause you to set your affection on things above, but always on things beneath, you should watch out for this. The next characteristics, the next characteristics 
of the living of the Pharisee is that they tell you things that excite or that your flesh wants to hear. They indulge your flesh. Second Timothy, and this one is it cannot be overemphasized. Second Timothy chapter four, and this is where many of us are falling into, especially because of the desperation we find ourselves in. It says that they shall tell a greater verse for his strength. For the time would come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So sound doctrine needs to be endured because it's not pleasant to the skin. It's not pleasant to the flesh. It doesn't indulge or gratify your fleshly desires. So you need to act. It will, it will spare you when you hear sound doctrine. It will discomfort your flesh when you hear sound doctrine. That's why you need to endure it. It's painful. So you say, for a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. People will not like to talk about gossiping, about lying, about cheating, about stealing. They will begin to find ways of, of, of sugarcoating all these all these acts because they make your flesh uncomfortable. So he's saying that, but after their own last, shall they heap for themselves teachers having itchy ears. So Paul is talking about a group of people, about a certain group of so-called Christians who are going to come. And these Christians will not like sound doctrine. So what will they do? They will gather up teachers. They will heap, I like the word, they will heap on themselves teachers because they have itchy ears. And they shall turn them away, and they shall turn their ears from the fruit, and they shall turn unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of their belief. Most of you find this in the political circles, or at least that's why I know. So you see a, a person political figure, he has his own men of God. <laughs> like the way King Ahab had 400 prophets, that prophesied unto him. That said, go to Ramot, Gilead, and prosper. It's the same thing that doing. So you find so-called significant people in society who have men of God around themselves. That tell them things they want to hear. You will win this election, you will get this thing, you will get that, you will do this. And these are people that cannot tell them, like the way John the Baptist told Herod, that you cannot be sleeping with your brother's wife. You see, these things are not comfortable to the flesh. They do not indulge your flesh. They do not gratify the desires of your flesh. But they cause you to mortify. They cause you to kill the desires of your flesh. And any teaching that causes your flesh to be excited is a living of the Pharisee. And that's what you see. So now it's very difficult to tell people the truth. I was sometimes somebody came to me and was like he's in computer science and a particular school came to see him. They're having SRC elections and the electoral committee came to see him to do a system where they can do online voting. And he said that one, I think a day or two before after I stopped everything, a day or two before the election, he had to go to the campus. In fact, they were in the room but to monitor everything. And it was like one after one, every SRC candidate came to his room to offer him bribe. Someone came, if you let me win, my secretary win, my this one will give you this amount, will give you this. And this guy called me. Now, what should he do? And I was quite confused by his <laughs> his request. What was he expecting me to say? Do you want to say go for the highest bidder? Or what at all are you expecting me to say than what you clearly know is true? Somebody also came. Uh, I have a, a, um, a guy in America. He promises to marry me, but his papers are not settled. So he says I should marry you so and so. And when I come, you will divorce and you will marry everybody. And I'm like, what exactly do you want me to say? Because you clearly know the truth. Uh, I have a boy. He's saying we should do this, then do that. And I'm like, sister, you know the truth. 
and they just want somebody to confirm or indulge or give them reasons to justify what they have set their hearts to do already is what many people are looking for so you are already going to run or cheat in the elections you are already going to steal you are already going to cheat you are already going to and you just need a teacher to justify it for you and Jesus is letting us know we need to go on the lookout for such teachings and such teachers we need to watch these things if indeed your Christian faith means the world to you in practical terms you see the things that you do for a good car the things that you do for a job the things that you do for marriages you'll be amazed the extent people will go and those who find themselves to be in religious circles you'll be amazed how they need teachers to indulge themselves the next characteristics of a false teaching and a false teacher is that they draw disciples unto themselves not unto Jesus. Acts chapter 20, Paul giving one of his final speeches to the church before he departed. He said, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. This was one of our things to watch over, the things that God has entrusted to us. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves would come in among you and not spare the flock. Even from your own men would rise, will arrive and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. People who try to do, who, who would distort the truth in order to draw disciples away unto themselves. You should look out for people who are deliberately doing these things. You know, we should not confuse these things with members who do that. There's a story, there's a scenario in the Bible where Paul, I think Paul and Silas went to, I think, a place to them preach and... I've forgotten the particular scenario. Either was when the, the venomous serpent came to bite Paul. No, I think Paul was with Silas and they went to preach. I think they did wonders in the town. And the people came rushing at them, calling them Zeus and Apollos or so. Zeus and, and I think Paul. That there are two gods that these men are actually their God in flesh and they wanted to make them go. Then quickly, Paul and Silas had to tear up their clothes and cry that, hey, we are not God. How dare you call us God? We are just men like you. These are ways of identifying true people. People or men of God or people who teach that will try everything possible for people not to idolize them. Because sometimes, so you see, that's the thing we should be careful. Some members will try to idolize these people. It doesn't make the person a false teacher. But when the person is endorsing it and encouraging it and distorting the truth for that, that is when you should be able to identify. So the man of God must cause, and it's not the chances as a man of God, but immediately you, somebody gets a breakthrough through you. Maybe the person has been applying for a job or something, and the person encounter with you, and you're able to help solve the problem. The person automatically elevates you. If God even told Moses, I'll make you a God unto Pharaoh, it is God's job to make you a God unto the people, but it is not your job to make yourself a God unto the people. So don't Sometimes it can be very confusing because you may see certain circles where people may see their leaders or whatever as a god. It doesn't mean that that person is the one drawing disciples onto themselves. That is why you need to be watching. You need to be observant. You need to be on the lookout for these things. People that become the center of the faith. So everything, this person must endorse every action. This person must give every direction. And he insists that it is not through me. It's not through anybody else. It's not the truth. He 
woman who watch out for these things. Teachings where the people emphasize on themselves rather than what Jesus has done for you because they did not die for you. It was Jesus that died for you. The last characteristics of things we need to watch out for regarding the living of the Pharisee is in Matthew 24 and verse number 24. Fantastic. Matthew 24, verse number 24. And Jesus saying that false messiahs and prophets would appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. I like what he says in the next verse. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you he is there, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe. Jesus is saying that. The wonders and the signs people do does not necessarily validate who they are. And because we can be so obsessed with science, we can be easily deceived, even the elect. And the classical example is in Acts chapter 16, where a woman or a girl with the spirit of sorcery was following Paul as he was preaching. I think Paul and Barnabas as he was preaching. And this woman was constantly following them, saying, Listen to these people, these are the men of God. Listen to these people, they show us the way of God. What the lady was saying was not wrong. But the Bible as this continued for days, Paul was vexed in his spirit. And Paul turned aside and cast out the evil spirit from the woman. And that's when the master of the woman was angry that Charlie, this was the woman I was milking for money. And that's how come the town came to uproar. There was an uproar in the town. He incited the town people and they cast Paul and Silas in prison. That's when the verse um, 25, at midnight, while they were in prison, they were praying and singing hymns. So this is what led them into prison. The fact that Paul casted out a girl with an evil spirit who was saying the correct thing. And you see, that's one thing that I've noticed what people try to do. When they go into a congregation, they try to give a word of knowledge, a prophecy, and it's always, it's always going to be accurate. The accuracy of the word of God or the prophecy does not validate the accuracy of the person and his teaching. Because these are things that have to do with the spiritual. Just as we have two prophets of God that can tell you in Ghana your name, your address, your phone number, so also we have evil spirits that can tell you your name, your phone number, your address. So those things that they say doesn't validate themselves. That is why the focus is on what I have just shared you. One, if they are play actors, if they are focusing on the external than the internal. Two, if they are causing you to distort, if they are creating confusion regarding your faith, your hope, and your love in Christ, you must be careful. Three, if they are challenging the personality, if their focus is not on the person of Jesus Christ and what he came to do and what he says, and if they focus on indulging your flesh, these are the signs that you must look out for. That's when these are ideas, fruits. These are the fruits you should look out for. Because the fact that they give the correct prophecy or a correct word of knowledge doesn't validate themselves. And people have submitted their whole lives to people because they gave one word of knowledge. And they have destroyed their marriages, they have destroyed their businesses, they have destroyed their families because somebody supposedly gave a correct word of knowledge. And if you look at Paul's case, this guy was not saying anything wrong. What she said was correct, that these are holy men who show us the way of salvation. How can you get angry with this? But because what they were doing was going to cause the focus to be on them. That's why Paul, so the first time it happened, Paul was like, oh, no problem, this is a female John the Baptist. But as it kept happening, then Paul sensed in his spirit that no, this is not of God. And this is why you must watch 
you are, you must always be on the lookout with your dealings with people, with prophets, teachers, pastors, whoever. That is why God gave you the Holy Spirit. That's why you have access to God. You do not relegate your spiritual responsibility to somebody because some people may be genuine, but they themselves may go to backslide at a point in time. Men of God backslide. Men of God can fall into sin. So imagine I am uh, I am somebody who has the gift of prophecy, genuine horn of thought, and I'm always giving accurate words of money. Blah, blah. Imagine I become so desperate for money. Because remember, the man of God himself is not immune of the dealings of God. The man of God will be going through the wilderness sometimes. Because you are not uh, above uh, the teachings of God or the dealings of God. So maybe imagine a man of God, God is pruning the man. But immediately, imagine he gets frustrated with the pruning and wants to pay out. He will just call you on the phone and give you a prayer of prophecy and tell you why one million into my account, why one thousand, and automatically you are on the hook. That is why you don't need to relegate your spiritual responsibility to anybody. I've personally had an experience like that. I went for a ministration and it's that pretty powerful. In fact, before this ministration, I went for the ministration because I had sat under his ministration the first time and it was one of the best ministries I've ever had in my life up to today. So the next time I saw he was around, I said, oh, let me go again. And he preached powerfully. He gave a word of prophecy. He gave a word of... In fact, he, was, he called me for it and told me something. I thought, okay. And I was like, I should come and see him after. And I didn't really want to, but I, I was in a hurry to go and like, let me go and hear what God has to say. So when I started telling me funny things, oh, this is this, this is this. So he, he gave me what we call in Ghana, in quite direction. And I was just listening. And as he was talking, I began to sense, in quote, corruption. I, no, there's something wrong with something. But I was just nodding my head. And I felt like I should send, and let's say, at that time, let's say I had, um, let's say, 500 Ghana cities on me. And he asked for 1,000 Ghana cities. And I was like, God asks for your Isaac. He doesn't ask for something you don't have. God will not ask for something you don't have. And in fact, listen, that's how it is. It's all I have. If I sell everything, the money, my accounting, my, the coins under my bed, everything is 500 cities. And now you are asking me for 1,000. It's obviously not of God. Because God will ask you to bring something that you have. He will ask you for what is in your hands. He will ask you for what is left. And already as the master is speaking, I started to sense that something was wrong. So when that thing came, I said, ah, okay. And that was it. That was the last thing. He may not be a false person, let's say, but these people are also men that could have weaknesses at some time. That could be in some desperate situations at some time. That is why you cannot really get your Christian experience, your Christian journey, not even for a day to somebody. There's a famous story which we have done before in our first episode who told you about the older prophet who gave tell the younger prophet that God says come to my house. And the same prophet who lied, who gave the false prophecy, was the same person God used to give an accurate prophecy and told him that, oh, because you have disobeyed, when you leave here, a lion will devour you and a lion did devour him. So you must be on the lookout for these things. You must be on the, you cannot afford for a moment not to be on the lookout. And you see, this doesn't mean that also go around and target everybody as false. Some people can be genuine because these people are also, we are also learning, we are also growing in our knowledge of God. So we may say inaccurate things. It doesn't make us false per se. Because it simply means that we knew in part and we prophesied in part, or we are also learning. So at a particular stage, this is what I knew as true. And I shared it with you and I said it. And later you may discover that no, it was not really accurate. It does not qualify me to be a false person. That is why Jesus is saying that be on the lookout. Because there's not a straight jacket in 
dealings with the legal of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's something that should be part of your Christian journey. It's something that you should be observant about. That is why God impressed upon our hearts to have this discussion. So that doesn't mean I go around labeling everybody at false, any teaching at false. That is why it's your responsibility to have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit, to be able to discern between right and wrong, between good and evil. And Jesus said that what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Let's not undermine the importance of these things. And there are several scriptures, but let's just read about two of them. Then we shall just spend some time in prayer. Let's go to 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, verse 16 and 17. And I read, He writes the same in all his letters, speaking to them of these matters. His teaching, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Talking about Paul. Peter is talking about Paul. There are which arrogant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own distraction. Therefore, my friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, be observant, watch, be on the lookout, so that you are not carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. He said that people have distorted the teachings of Paul. He said, and gives an a characteristic of those people, ignorant and unstable people. That's why the main way to identify these things is people that causes, that destabilizes your relationship with God. Just this morning, I was doing my own personal meditation and I appreciated the scripture that said that God is not an author of confusion. And I had to just Google the meaning of the word confusion. It means uncertainty in your mind. God will not make you uncertain. That's not God's job. His word comes to give you clarity. His instruction comes to make you certain about a decision. He doesn't cause uncertainty, confusion. So he's saying that people that come to cause confusion in your Christian work, they themselves are confused. They are easily, they are unstable. Remember in Ephesians, that those who are tossed to and fro, every day they are discarding your faith, your hope and love in Jesus. Be on the lookout for such people. Again, in 2 Peter 2, in fact, the whole 2 Peter 2 is about these things. But let's just read some few verses. But there are also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction unto themselves. Swift destruction. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of the truth into disrepute. In their greed, in fact, one of the ways to identify that this will become greedy. Hmm. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Hey. Their condemnation has been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. So he said that these are people, he said many will follow their depraved conduct. They are depraved, they won't bear fruits of righteousness. They are depraved conduct and will bring the way of the truth into disrepute. And we see this all over on our media, on our TV. You see so many of these things. And they are greed, and in their greed, these teachers would exploit you. Exploit you. Exploit is the word. So when the, the person told me to bring me 1,000, and I, he was exploiting me. I don't know why you come my face. At that time, you think I had 1,000. He will seek to exploit you. This is one way you should know. They exploit your family. 
the LHD, they are so many. In fact, there's a place Paul was like, unstable women, these people have gone into families and they have destroyed unstable women. So, you know, because women are more easy to believe things. Remember what Eve, what the serpent did to me. So, this will come, oh, they will tell the woman, this is your husband, this is your child, this is do this, do that. Then they will find a way into the family. And now, the women listen more to these people than to God and to their, than to their husband. And what happens is that these false people begin to exploit the family, deprive them. They, they, they will run with that. Be on the watch out for these things. Be on the look. We cannot afford not to discern false teachings. We cannot afford because many lives, many families have been destroyed. And that's why Jesus said, like, what I say to you, I say to all, watch. And if you just look at it, like this was written several years ago, thousands of years ago. If at that time they were saying many, you can imagine how much their numbers are in our current dispensation. People who pervert the truth. You, you can't imagine. You see, that's another wonderful thing about the scripture. Every sin, every crime, you can justify the scripture. Every crime. And just I was having a discussion with somebody and I was amazed how the person was justifying violence with the scripture. And, and I, I, I noticed that this is somebody who has set up his um, heart to do something. So you don't have an argument with these people or you don't have a discussion because their hearts have been set on something. So anything they can use just to constitute or convince them, they're going to convince themselves just to make it look legal. It's like, it's like a lady who said to marry somebody or doing something here. No matter what you say, you can't convince them. But Jesus said, do not get to that point. Be on the lookout. We don't want to spend some time in prayer. Now, we will not relegate our spiritual responsibility to somebody. We will not relegate our relationship with God with somebody. That we should be able to hear from God from ourselves. Speak to God. That we should be able to discern between right and wrong, between that which is good and that which is not good. You should be able to discern between that which is holy and that which is not holy. You should be able to discern between that is clean and that which is not clean. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for a period of cleansing, of purification, and of remembrance. That we need to be on the lookout. We can't afford to be passive in our work with you. We can't afford not to be observant in our Christian life. Father, we pray for grace never to switch off, never to fall asleep, never to despise, never to downplay the living, the small but pervasive influence of false teachings. Father, help us, Lord, to be sensitive to your voice. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to the voice. Help us, Lord, to build our faith, our hope, and our love in the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this reminder. We thank you for this grace. We thank you for the strength in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So we draw our curtains down to an exciting study we have had for the past five weeks or six weeks now. I believe in God for more grace. And hopefully next week will be our anniversary message. It has been three years of exposing ourselves to the word of God, even as he renews our minds and transforms us. Remember, just to give God your very best and to owe no man nothing but love. Bye-bye.